Hey there, this is Dustin McLean. And Allie McLean. And we're pumped that you're joining with us today. And if you're a part of our Purpose Church family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at ourpurpose.church on all social media outlets. And on our website at www.ourpurpose.church. We can get you plugged into a group, other giving options, and an opportunity to connect with the Purpose family all across Western Kentucky. And we hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. And so let's jump into the message. I have a special uh, just treat for us today uh, because one of my pastors is here to speak uh, today. And I'm so excited just to sit in a seat just like you and just take some notes. And we've been in a series called Legends. And uh, everybody shout Legends. Come on, Legends has just been this series. We've been talking about these people of the faith. And it all goes back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And it talks about that. It talks about these legends that have gone before us. And it's telling us now, you and I, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to this life of faith, like what it tells us is this idea, let us strip off every weight that, that so slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance. Somebody say run. Run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And I just want to just honor one of my pastors today. He's going to come and bring a word that I believe, honestly, in my own life, this guy is a legend to me. He's a legend in our faith, in my faith, just uh, through the years. Uh, and I'll just tell you that just so you know, every single Sunday before I ever come on this stage, I want you to understand that there is a text message every single Sunday from Pastor Tony Adams. Every Sunday I get a message from him praying for you, praying for our church, praying for what God is going to do today. And I'm just, I'm just honored that he would come, that he would take his time to drive and be here, away from his family even, just to be with us today. And so if you don't mind, why don't we do this? Why don't you welcome to the Purpose Church stage my pastor, an incredible man of God. Come on, let's welcome to the stage. Put our hands together and thank God for Pastor Tony Adams. Thank you, Pastor. You can be seated. You can be, you can be seated. Thank you, Pastor Dustin. That, that's unnecessary, but very, uh, very nice uh, for you to say those things. All right. Hey, it's good to see you this morning, and I'm honored to uh, I'm honored to be here, brother. Uh, just so thankful to see to to be here to see what God has done over the last three years. Three years um, to to yeah, you got home now. That, that makes it feel good right there, doesn't it? Some of them saying, "I ain't packing no more chairs." That's it. Leave them chairs where they are. So, uh, hey, I'm excited to to be here and just to finish up um, to finish up this series. If you would, uh, if you have a Bible, or you can follow along on the screen. Uh, turn to Esther, uh, the book of Esther. And uh, if you don't know where that is, you can do like I do. I just go to the index in the front of my Bible, find it there. But if you can find Nehemiah and Ezra. You're going to find Esther. And the reason you can find it there is because they're all part of history in the Old Testament. And this is a historical story that you're reading. Um, it's about the title. It's about some legends. Here's what makes it unique. Can, where's that screen at? The, do that screen that you had the words at the bottom for me. Could you, could you do that? Because it, 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 this is what's important. It's about history, and as you read that, and it says, a study of how God used 
change that word to use. God is still using people today. And so point to yourself like this. Go on. You gotta be, you're going to have to participate today. God is using me. All right? So God uses ordinary. That's me. Is that you? Nothing special about me. We all put our shoes on the same way, pants on. At least we get them right when we turn the lights on. Ordinary. Ordinary to do extraordinary things. What you have to redefine in your life is the world gives you the idea of what is extraordinary. God gives you a different idea of what is extraordinary. So I'm going to add to the legend idea, topic, title, don't know what that word should be. This is what I want you to write down. Because I, I, I usually, I preach with one point. You can't choose to be a legend. Letting y'all write that down. You can't choose to be a legend. But you can choose to leave a legacy. You can't choose to be a legend, but you can choose to be a legacy. So let me tell you this story real quick because, so here's the problem. They only give me 35 minutes. I can't do an introduction in 35 minutes. The story, I, I know most of you are probably familiar with the story of Esther, but the story of Esther is the story really of one man named Haman, or Haman, however you want to say it, and his goal to blot out not only a person whose name was Mordecai, but to blot out a whole ethnic group of people called the Jews. And so the story that you see is his idea to blot out not only Mordecai, this Jewish man, but to blot out all of his history and who he is. And the Jews are there because they are in slavery. This is a Persian kingdom. This is King Ashuerus. And so as you read this story and we think about a legend and we think about a legacy, you're going to see two different legacies here. You're going to see the legacy of King Ashuerus and his prime minister named Haman, Haman, however you want to say it. And you're going to see the story of what becomes who is Queen Esther and her cousin or her uh, adoptive dad because he did he adopted her and his name is Mordecai. And you have two totally opposite extremes in these two families. But what I want you to see and what I want you to apply to our lives today is exactly what's happening in this story. This is Satan's ultimate and triumphal goal is to blot out every single vestige of God's kingdom upon the face of the earth. And he's doing it not only not only is are they are they in slavery and away from their homeland at the same time they are there, Nehemiah is trying to rebuild the city. And Ezra are trying to rebuild the city. All of this is occurring at the same time. And so think about the connection, Pastor. You have, you have one guy named Haman, or you can call him 
Hammond, there you go. Y'all get with me now. I just I say that just to keep you interested there a little bit. See, I don't know how to say it either. It is you have this one guy in a city of Susa who's not only trying to wipe out one person, he's seeing the opportunity. Is he? I don't know. God, uh, Satan, though, is using the opportunity to wipe out a whole nation whom in some of them and part of them who would be Nehemiah and Ezra are in Jerusalem trying to rebuild a city and a kingdom that, that belongs to God. So there's a much bigger story here than you see about just one lady named Esther. Always remember, though, always remember, for Satan, he wants to believe that, but that is still just wishful thinking. Throughout the centuries, throughout history, from the time that that, that began in, in the Garden of Adam and Eve, he's been trying to wipe out God's kingdom because he wants to be on the throne. And he can't do it. He'll never do it. You have to remember that, that, that the Roman, and, and Paul, Romans told us, neither death nor life nor principalities nor powers nor, nor rulers nor things or powers, none, none of that, no created thing will have the power to separate you from the love of God, which is found where? In Christ Jesus. So we're going to tell this whole story, and it's all going to take us to the very same place, and that's Jesus Christ. And that's my point. You don't have a choice to be a legend. You do have a choice to be a legacy. But to make that legacy, you got to determine and you got to discern what that legacy is going to be built upon. The legacy that's going to make it last. So the story of Esther provides us some insight to that. The, the key I want you to grasp in the story is that contrast. King Ashuerus and Haman. I, let me give you a brief description of them both. They're both self-absorbed. They're both selfish. They're both prideful. They're both power-driven. Um, they're both will do anything, whether it's morally or ethically wrong or not, to gain what they desire. I tell you, well, let me do this. I, I'm going to give you a description. Let me give you a description of Haman. Because the Bible gives us a definition, a description of Haman. Not in, it's not in Esther. It's in another book. I don't think I gave him this. I probably, there's a lot that I'll say that I didn't give y'all. And so they're going to be back there going, where's he at? <laughs> I'm not there. Proverbs chapter 6, this is the description. This is the description of, of Haman. It's in Proverbs 6, 16. If you want to turn it, you can just write it down because this is what it says. This is how it describes him. Six things the Lord hates. In fact, seven are detestable. And every one of them describe him. Arrogant eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that plots wicked schemes, feet eager to run to evil, a lying witness who gives false testimony, and one who stirs up trouble among brothers. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a description of Haman. So you're talking about a lot about Haman. I don't know anything about these people. Let me give you uh, the, the book of Esther is ten chapters. Let me give you. Let me let me see if I can give you a summary in five minutes of the Book of Esther. I'm waiting to. All right, twenty 
27. All right, here we go. 27. Chapter 1. You got King Ashuerus, and he's got a queen named Queen Vashti. All right, that's his lady. King Ashuerus is giving a party for all the nobles in his kingdom. Lasts about 180 days. So he'd bring different groups in. They would party a while. They'd go home. Some more would come in. They'd party a while. They'd do the same. Queen Vashti is doing the same thing for the ladies. She's giving a party. All right? After a while, Queen ba- uh, King Asherah has a little bit too much, and, he, he want, he, and he's talking about his queen, and he wants to show her off. So he says, I want you all to go get Queen Vashti and bring her in here so that I can show her off. Now, you got to read between the lines because it says, you know, he wanted to, he, he wanted to bring her in, but, but he's wanting, to, he's wanting to, to, to bring her in. He's wanting to, to uh, when he says show her off, it means he, 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 was wanting to, he was wanting to show her off. Queen Vashti said, ain't going to happen. I got more honor in myself. I am not doing that. Makes uh, King Ashuerus mad, makes him look bad too because his queen has told him, uh-uh, no, I'm not doing it. Nobody tells the king no, all right? So it makes him mad. It kind of humbles him a little bit. And so he asks his, his leaders, his men around him, he says, oh, what, what should I do? Well, you need to get rid of her. So they do. They get rid of her. So that's chapter 1, all right? Chapter 2, you get into the whole bit about, <laughs> about how it comes about that we find that, 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 we, that Esther becomes queen. What happens? Well, King Asherah misses his woman. And he starts mourning. And he starts realizing that was stupid. Now I ain't got a queen. So all of his, all of his people in his court says, listen, this is what we can do. We'll go out and we'll search the whole kingdom, all the providences. We'll bring in the beautiful women. We'll bring them before you. And you choose the one that you want to be queen. He says, I like it. Let's try to do that. So we'll do that. Throughout all those women, throughout all of the nation, uh, throughout all of his kingdom, they come to one he finds. And her name is, you want to guess what her name is? Esther. Now, through this whole time, they don't know Esther is Jewish. They don't know that Esther is part of the slave kingdom that, 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 that's there at that time. So that's chapter 2. Chapter 3 is kind of called a break. In other words, it's a really good story. They go in one direction, and chapter 3, all of a sudden, they go in a different direction. But it's important. Why? Because this is a story about God's providence and how he works in ordinary circumstances. So it tells you this, this little story about Mordecai. Mordecai is at the king's gate. That means he has some type of a responsibility in the kingdom that, you know, that, that he's there. And that's where, the, that's where the, the laws are made. That's where discussions are. And Mordecai sees two of the king's uh, people plotting against him because they got something against him and they're going to kill him. Mordecai reports it back to Queen Esther. Queen Esther tells King Ashuerus. King Ashuerus has it checked out, finds it to be true, and has the two guys that are going to try to assassinate him killed. What's Mordecai get? Mordecai gets his name mentioned in the book of the journal of the king. That's all that happens at that time. All right? That's all the honor he got. Nothing else happened. But it's important because in God's providence, God's going to use that. So what happens next? Well, that's when it starts telling us about Haman, and Haman is the prime minister. He's number two in the whole country. 
I got to wrap it up. I was going to try to do it in five minutes. You got to know the story. Right? Is that interest you? I mean, is that, is that keeping you interested? All right. So, so Mordecai, uh, yeah, did I get now Mordecai? Haman is the prime minister, and so everybody's supposed to bow to Haman. In other words, you got the king, and you got Haman ruling everything. And he's stuck on himself. He's prideful. He's, he, he, this is all he's about. Remember my description of him? And so every time Haman comes through, they're supposed to bow down to Haman. Everybody bows down to Haman. Oh, it's the great prime minister Haman. His prime minister. He's worthy. And they bow down to him. There's one guy that doesn't bow down to Haman. You want to guess who that is? There you go. My boy Mordecai. Kind of got that Shadrach, Meshach, Bendigo, you know, Daniel flavor to it. I am not bowing down. I'm going to keep my windows open as I pray. Legacy begins before the opportunity is there. Legacy begins when you discern and know what you're going to stand upon and who you're going to stand for. So Mordecai says, I'm not doing it. And everybody asking him, Mordecai, man, you, you're creating a scene. Why don't you just bow down to this knucklehead and, and then just pass it by? Mordecai says, I can't do that. I can't do that. I, I think what he's saying is, listen, there's only one king. There's only one God. There's only one Jehovah. And he's the only one that I'm going to bow down to. And my God's name is not Haman. And so in our sense, it wouldn't be Haman. We have to say, my God's not this world. My God's not the expectations around me. My God is my God and King Jehovah that I sang about this morning. And so that's what happens. And so this really tears him up. And so here's where it gets interesting. So Haman gets this idea. He says, he goes to the king and says, listen, there's, there's a guy. He didn't mention a guy. He says, there's a group of people. Now, evidently, all the best I can figure is if Mordecai was the one guy that was bound down to him than everybody else was. But he takes it out of context. He says, Every, there's one group of people that they're against everything that your kingdom stands for, King Asherah. What should we do? I've got an idea. Let's just wipe them out. King Asherah says, hey, that would be a good idea. Why don't you do that? Turns out to be the Jewish people. They put out this etiquette, uh, ed, ed, edict, edict, edict. That's a weird word, isn't it? E-D-I-C-T, and you say edict. How did they get that pronounced? How did they get that spelling? He puts this edit against all the providences and said, this is what's going to happen. In a year's time, we're going to, you, all the Jews, we're killing them all. Chapter 4. Is that what I gave you all, chapter 4? So chapter 4, this, all that happens. Mordecai gets word. Actually, there's, there's this bit about... Uh, sackcloth and ashes and he's mourning and Queen Esther finds out about it she sends out somebody to him and says dude are you nuts would you put these clothes on that I'm giving you Mordecai refuses those clothes they ask him what's going on they tell uh, Mordecai tells her servant what's happening the servant comes back to to uh, uh, Queen Esther to tell them what's going on and this is where we pick it up so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, they're, they're, they're going to start in verse 10, but I'm going to start in verse 8. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> I changed my mind. <coughs> verse 8 says this. Mordecai also gave him a copy, that, that's the servant, of the, of the written decree in, issued in Susa ordering their destruction. That's the Jews, all their destruction. So that Hattach might show it to Esther, explain to her, and instruct her. Here's the important instruction. Instruct her to approach the king, implore his favor, and plead with him personally for her people. 
had it came and repeated Mordecai's response to Esther. Here's the story. This is what's happening. This is what he wants you to do. Verse 10. Now you're with me. Esther spoke to Haddock and commanded him to tell Mordecai all the royal officials and all the people of the royal provinces know that one law applies to every man or woman who approaches the king in the inner courtyard and who has not been summoned, the death penalty. In other words, they're saying, listen, I can't go before him unless he calls me because if I go before him without him calling me, it's automatic death sentence. Only, there's an exception to the rule, only if the king extends the golden scepter will that person live. I have not been summoned to appear before the king for the last 30 days. Esther's response was reported to Mordecai. (laughs) These next two verses are probably the verses that you know of in Esther. Mordecai told the messenger to reply to Esther. Don't think. I'm about to give me a drink of water. Don't think that you will escape. I got something right here. That you will escape the fate of all the Jews because you are in the king's palace. If you keep silent at this time, liberation and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place. But you and your father's house will be destroyed. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and assemble all the Jews who can be found in Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days. Night and day. And I and my female servants will fast in the same way. After that, I will go into the, to the king, even if it is against the law. If I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went and did everything that Esther had ordered him to do. We got to take a break. <laughs> See, if that happens, it helps some. I kind of lost it there a little bit. <clears throat> so that's the story. I got another question for you. I got my one statement. You can't choose to be a legend, but you can choose to be a legacy. How do you choose to be a legacy? How's that happen? I want to take you all the way to your death. I want to take you all the way there. One of the best ways... That I've, that I've ever seen that you, can, that you can determine, that you can think about what do I want my legacy to, to be is to do this. Ask yourselves, what do I want my obituary to say? So in other words, if we all had to write out our own obituaries, what would we want our own obituary, our own obit, what would we want it to say? I'll take it even one step further because, you see, that's the legacy that we live, leave in this world to the people that we love. But there's another legacy that I want you to think about, and it would take us further than that. It would be after, the, after we die and after they've already read our, our obituary, but what do I want my Jesus to say to me? 
Because you see, our legacy lives on. That's what Esther was saying. You know, I will do it. You have, and what Mordecai was telling her is, you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. There, there, there's, listen, you were, there's no determinable, you were born when God wanted you to be born. Esther's a unique book. I don't know. Go home and read it all 10 chapters. Esther's a a unique book in that it never mentions the name of God. But you see God's hand all over it. And even in my life and in your life, you may mention the name of God and it may be all over you. But in your life, you may not ever mention the name of God. But I'm just here to tell you this morning, you may not ever mention or acknowledge the name of God in your life. But the name of God is all over your life. You have no choice, but he's going to be all over your life. That is a part of your story because he's, because we're a part of his story. You see, all of this is just God's big story, and we get to live it out. Each and every day we get that choice. And so we have to determine what our story is going to be. I like the word, what is our legacy going to be? The legacy you leave behind will have influence for generations and generations and generations. Your life will impact the lives of those that, you, that, that, that are in your circle and that are in this world and in every aspect. Just like, the, just like uh, Haman's story not only affected, really affected, I can tell you the rest of that story, Haman dies in the end. I'll just let you know that. Mordecai gets his house, uh, Haman dies. But you see, Haman's story affected all of him because his legacy was that, uh, the, le- the legacy of a person against the Jews and against God, and it wiped out all of his people. You see, his whole, house, whole, whole household died. Your legacy affects everybody. Your legacy affects everybody. But you see, it's our legacy that we want to be a, a, a part of. Let me tell you this story real quick. Twelve minutes, Lord have mercy. All right, real quick, let me just tell you the story real quick. I want, can you use your imagination? I want you to imagine three boxes sitting right here and three boxes sitting right here. Because you see, those boxes are in my garage. I'm old enough that I've lost, I've lost a large amount of my family. They've passed away. They've gone on the majority of the fact that my family's in heaven. These three boxes over here represent one of those individuals that are in heaven. They died, and we went through all that, you know, and the probate and, and, you know, the wills and attorneys and all that stuff. And we gather their stuff together, and we sell off part of it, and we give part of it away. And, and, the, and the family divides it up, and you get the jewelry, and you get the rings, and, you know, you, all of a sudden, you know, a little something, something. We hope we won't, you know, it might be there, and it might be. But, but the reality is, after it's all said and done, and years later, those three boxes are sitting in my garage. And that's all that's left of the physical reality of that person. Except for, in these three boxes, the legacy that they left. Because they left a strong legacy for our family. 
they believed in Jesus. They lived after him. Their ethics and morals and their, just the love that they had for humanity and for people, their work ethic, everything. They were the, the patriarch of our family, and, and we remember them fondly. In other words, as a matter of fact, it, things that I even do today, I do or do not do because I know how it's going to reflect on the legacy in which he left. When I look at his legacy, I say, that's the legacy I want to have. These three boxes over here are still a family member. Same scenario happened. Same thing. You know what the biggest legacy they've left in their life? Unfortunately, are found in those three boxes. Ain't saying much, is it? On that side. So when you think about it and you start thinking about, okay, I'm going to write out this. I'm going to write out this obituary. I'm going to write out what I want to be a thought of me once I go. You have that opportunity for that legacy. Which one is it going to be? Is it going to be King Asuerus and Haman? Is that the type of legacy? Is that your legend? Because you see, they left a legend. I've told you their story now. What do you think about them now? Or is it going to be the story of Queen Esther and Mordecai? You know their story now. You know their legend. You know their legacy. Which one are you going to choose now? Let me give you a few things you need to think about before you choose that. Number one is this. The choices you make now, like I said a while ago, impact generations. Every situation in life, we have the opportunity to surrender ourselves to serve God and his people or ourselves. Either way, Esther and Mordecai seized the opportunity. Mordecai refused to bow down to Haman. Esther entrusted her life to God. Small choices in the big picture, but every choice accumulates, accumulates to the end of what the legacy is going to be. Joshua said it this way in Joshua 24, people leaving, he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's where his legacy was. That's how we remember him. We know those words. We look through history. We see how he led the people of Israel. Why? Because you see, he's a legend. But the legacy that he lived, he lived on from generation to generation to generation to generation. The choices you make impact generations. Number two, y'all get that one? The choices you impact, is that like a fill in the blank or is that just on a card? Y'all just writing that down? What y'all doing out there? I'm making sure y'all write it down. Put the girl, put it in your phone, girl. Y'all not going to remember that later. You'll be texting somebody. What do you say? Write it down. Read that book later when you, when you got time. Read Esther and find out for yourself. Number two, believe in something bigger than yourself. Believe in something bigger than yourself. Queen Esther gets that word from Mordecai. Mordecai tells her, listen, daughter, this is what you got to do. She says, mm, I don't know. But then she thought about these words and she said, I will go to the king. Even if it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Listen to me, young people, old people, listen. In our day and time and our society, real quick, but it's, there's going to be things that you're going to believe in, and it's going, to, it's going to have to be bigger than yourself because it's going to be against what our culture thinks it is between right and wrong. 
And if you don't know what type of legacy you want to live, then you'll be easily manipulated to change your legacy so that it's easier or more comfortable in the day and time in which you live, in which you breathe. It's, but the honest truth is it may change your comfort level here, but it's not going to change your comfort level when you get to heaven. Because you still got to stand before Jesus and that, that second question and say, well, I wonder what Jesus will say to me once my time on earth here is done. Believe in something bigger than yourself. We'll talk about that one just a little bit more. The next one is, is this. The question is not, is God in control of this world? The question should be, is God in control of my life? Why do I say that? I say that for this. I only answered ultimately to one person. And that person is whoever is Lord of my life. Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. Jesus Christ may be Lord of your life. I pray to God that he is. But the reality of it is there is something that is Lord over your life. The choices that you make will determine and define what is Lord over your life. And there's lots of things in this world that want us to bow down to and make those things Lord. And as we do that, in all honesty, have fun with it, but that's the legacy you're going to leave. That's the legacy that will be left behind. Or you can make the choice and realize, you know what, this world's a big place and there's a lot out of my control. But the one thing I can control and the one thing I need to control is this. Is the Lord Jesus, is God in control of my life? That has to be the question that... We ask ourselves, because you see, it goes right back to my statement. You can't choose to be a legend, but you can choose to leave a legacy. Now, at the bottom, you remember at the bottom of that little little thing, uh, the the little saying while ago about uh, ordinary, God using ordinary people for extraordinary things? I told you when we started that you're extraordinary, did I not? Mom and Dad, let let me tell you each of you where your legacy is. I said mom and dad, but all of us. It's easy for mom and dads. It's easy to pick on parents because, you know, they're trying to navigate this and be good parents. But that's where your legacy is going to be. Our legacy, your, your legacy is going to be, you know, I said those three boxes a while ago. Think of those three boxes in a different way. Think of those three boxes of those people in your life that you have influence with. You got the, you got the outer Got the outer people in your life. You know those acquaintances, those people that you know, maybe those people that you work with, that you're friends with on Facebook, all that kind of stuff. They're out there. There's a small bit of legacy that you will leave with them. And then there's that, then there's that, 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 that inner circle. And, and that's, your, you know, that's your friends and your extended family and those that, that know you and that you, uh, that, that you have relationships with. And, and you're going to leave a legacy with those people. And then there's that inner, what I call that inner, inner circle. And that inner, inner circle is your family and whatever that family looks like. It may be close friends and relations that you have. You may be closer to, you know, to, your, to, 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 the, to those relations you are, your real family. Or it may be your real family. Or it may be your kids. It may be your grandparents, your aunts, your uncles, your nieces, your nephews. That's where your legacy begins. Because you see, let's be all honest. You know, Pastor Dustin was nice about his words a while ago. But when I die, the only people that are going to remember me 
And the only people that are going to remember you are the people that I impacted in my life. And if I don't start by impacting those that are closest to me in my inner, inner circle, that's where my legacy is. That's where that legacy will be lived out. That's where the legacy of generation upon generation will be lived out. That's where the words of Joshua will come back and say, it's for me and my house, we will serve something. And what's that something going to be? That's the legacy that you want to live. Because you see, that's where your heritage is. Your heritage is in your people for whom I live and work is not the quick question. It, what I, but I want to stand before him. And so I don't want to choose to be a legend. If the world makes me a legend, fine, so be it. I have no control. But I do have a choice of the legacy that I will leave behind. So let me just revert back to that question. Y'all write that question down. What do I want my obituary to say? Practice a little bit on somebody else. Think of it this way. All right, let me write out Haman's obituary. Pretty sad that our text for Haman and his obituary is Proverbs chapter 16. Sin, the seven things God hates. That's... Here he was. I didn't tell you all the story. You, you, you got to read about the, the gallows, you know, because I didn't tell you all about that story. But inside that story, Haman tries to build these gallows because he's going to hang Mordecai. I didn't tell you about how embarrassed he got when, when, when uh, King Ashuerus wanted to honor um, the person that saved his life by, by telling Queen Esther um, about the two guys trying to kill him, and they read that, and they said, well, who did that? And they said, well, it was Mordecai. Well, what did we do to honor him? He hadn't been honored. So he asked Haman, he says, Amen, well, how do I want to honor somebody? How do I show my honor, my appreciation to somebody I want to honor? And Haman's so tied up in himself, he's, he thinks it's him. And he says, you put the royal clothes on him, and you put him on the finest horse, and you parade him through the city and saying, this is what King Ashwaris does to someone he wants to honor. And King Ashwara says, that's a great idea, Haman. That's a great idea. That's what I want to do, and I want you to do it. So you go get Mordecai and put him in my finest robes, put him on my finest horse, and you parade him through the city and scream and yell out, this is what King Ashwara does to someone he wants to honor. Why do I go backwards and tell you that story? I go backwards and tell you that story because this. I'm going to wrap it up. We often and too often try to live out our legacy by getting the praise and appreciation of others here and now. If you want a true everlasting legacy, you got to determine that the choices that you're going to make now aren't going to be about praise and appreciation and glorification now, but it's going to be about praise and appreciation and glorification for eternity. It's not about what all we do now. you got to have a bigger picture. It's all about what's going to happen to us in eternity. And that eternity comes down to the question is, where will I spend it? Romans 6 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is Eternal life. And so we have two choices. 
We have two choices about where we spend our, our legacy for eternity. My legacy could be that I choose the wages of sin, that I want to live in my sin and I want to live separate from God today. That's fine and great. That's what your legacy is going to be. And the legacy for eternity upon eternity is going to be separation from God. Don't complain because it was your choice. That's what you chose. Or you look at the second half of that verse and it says the wage of sin is death. Death is a separation from God. But the love of God, the gift, the free gift that I want to hand you this morning is the gift of salvation that you only find in Jesus Christ when you put your faith and trust in him. The gift, the legacy that you can have for all eternity is the gift of God, which is heaven. That's your choice. That is the first choice that you have to make in building your legacy. That's the first choice you have to make in deciding. And you know what? My legacy isn't going in the direction that I want it to, so I need to change that legacy around a little bit. And it's that choice that you have to make today, and that choice is based upon that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The other verse that I like in Romans chapter 8 that really goes along with this, Roman, uh, and Paul says it this way, If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, then who can be against us? You know, I'm not real smart sometimes, the best I can figure. If I want a legacy that my, my, my family, my children, my generation can be proud of when I'm gone, is to have the legacy that says, you know what, he wasn't the brightest guy in the world and he wasn't the perfect guy in the world, but he loved Jesus and he loved people. And the best I can figure, pastors, that's the best place for, uh, for a legacy to leave, to, to, to start right there, is to say, Nothing more that he loved God. He knew Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, and he loved people. Can you say that this morning? Would you bow your heads with me as we, as we go to a time of invitation? And a time of invitation is just an opportunity for you and for me to respond to God and the Holy Spirit of what he said in our hearts and lives this morning. And I'm going to ask Pastor Dustin to come today and, and, and to lead us in that invitation. But the question I want to ask you this morning is, where is my legacy? And is it beginning in Jesus Christ? That's where every strong legacy has got to begin. It's not in our own power. It's not in our own strength. It's in knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I pray today that will be your first decision on a long life of an outstanding legacy for the generations to come. God bless you this morning. Maybe you're in here, and like Pastor Tony said, maybe for you today, that legacy is, is you need to start it by putting your faith and trust in Jesus. And again, that's the most important decision that you and I ever make in our life. And, and again, just to reiterate what Pastor Tony said, that we've all sinned, we've all messed up, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that. There's not anybody that's better than anybody else uh, as far as just, oh, I've been good, I've been to church my whole No, 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 we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But what I love about the Bible and what I love about Jesus is that Romans 5, 8 says that even while we were still sinning, 
Even while we were still far from God, guess what happened? Jesus came and he gave his life for us. So maybe you're in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you haven't ever responded to the gospel. Let me, under, let me just encourage you again. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short. But Jesus gave us a way to be able to know him and have a relationship. Why does that matter? Why does that matter? Because again, as Pastor Tony said, the wages of sin is death. There had to be a payment that was made for sin. And either you and I accept what Jesus did on the cross, or we pay for our sin for eternity, separated from God. And so I, I want to just extend that invitation to you, that offer to you. It's not anything that I've done. It's only through Jesus and by Jesus that you can be saved. So the Bible also says that if we'll declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we'll believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that you and I will be saved. And so if that's you, I'm going to ask if you're in this room, everybody obviously if you don't mind bowing your heads and closing your eyes. If you're in this room and you say, hey, you know what, I need to accept Jesus today. I need Jesus to be my Savior. I need Jesus to forgive me. I need him to come in my life. I need him to save me. If that's you, I want you to say something like this. This is part of that confessing. This is part of you saying, hey, I want Jesus to come in my life. Say something like this. It doesn't have to be word for word, but if you want to say it word for word, I just want you to mean it in your heart. Say something like this. Dear Jesus, would you come in my life? Would you save me? Would you forgive me? I put my trust in you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe that you were put in a tomb. And I believe you got out of the grave three days later. And I put my full weight down on that. I put my full trust in you. God, help me live for you, Jesus, every single day from this day forward. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name. And Maybe you're in here. Maybe you prayed something like that. Maybe you prayed that word for word. Um, I just want to tell you that you just made the best decision that you've ever made in your life by saying yes to Jesus. And so what I want to just encourage you with, what I want to encourage you with is that if you just prayed that, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Would you just let me know real quick, all you got to do is just shoot your hand up and then drop it right back down. Say, hey, I just prayed to receive Jesus. You can just throw your hand up and drop it right back down. Awesome. 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 Here's the thing I want to tell you as well. If you just prayed to receive Jesus, I want you to know that that is a personal decision that you made between you and God, but that doesn't need to just stay between you and God. You need to let somebody else know. And so I think that's the thing about what, what we love about our church and uh, this idea is that we want you to tell somebody here that you just made that decision to follow Jesus. We had a young lady this week at kids camp. We had a man last week who has two sons that gave his life to Jesus last Sunday. Like you are not the only one who has given their life to Jesus in this church. And I'm just so thankful that we're a part of a church that, man, sees life change happen a lot. And, and listen, I'm just so thankful for that. And we want to be there with you. We want to walk through this season with you. I know you got some questions. know you got some things that you might not understand just yet. And that's okay. And we want to be a church that walks through this with you. So uh, you need to let us know if you can that you just made that decision. Again, for us just to be able to walk beside you. We got some incredible people that are going to be on either side of the stage up here uh, in just a few minutes at the end of service. You can let them know. We'd love to give you a Bible. We'd love to give you a new believer's God, or you can actually text the word PURPOSE to 270-229-6488. That also lets us know, and it would be our honor this week just to follow up with you, to, to make contact with you, to try and touch base with you and answer any questions that we might have. 
I love that. I love that. I love Thank you so much again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps out so much. For more content and information, head over to ourpurpose.church. We love you guys and hope you have a great week on purpose.